You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We want to get off a fast start, make sure we get confidence in ourselves, and we feel like, hey, we can actually get this done, and we can really do this, because we have that belief in practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're ready to go, and whether it counteracts what they're doing defensively, or what they're doing, I would say, as a unit, but we got to do that for ourselves first, and it, it only helps to do it against your opponent on the road. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. Q. As we kick off hour number two of the show, we hear Raiders offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi talking about preparing for the Lions. I'll tell you what, if they're preparing for the Lions, which I know they are, they better practice their wrapping up as far as tackling goes. Not worried about, uh, you know, doing that offensively, but worried about it defensively. they got to wrap up. Had a lot of missed tackles on Sunday versus Chicago Bears to talk all things uh, Raiders and what they did not do on Sunday against the Bears and also talk about the upcoming trade deadline. We have our good friend Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. And, Brad, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you as always. And I want to say that you guys had recorded 13 missed tackles that the Raiders had on Sunday and four were credited to Marcus Peters. That's a that's a massive number right there, Brad. It's a huge, huge number. I mean, we're talking about the, the uh, average depth of target for Tyson Bajan was two and a half yards beyond the line of scrimmage. It means it's the second lowest average depth of target in a win by a quarterback in the last 10 years. And so what that means is there was a lot of short throws, quick out screens, and the Raiders just could not wrap up and tackle. Um, it, it was an ugly defensive tape for that team this weekend. Yeah, wasn't that kind of bizarre since they had been really, I thought, playing pretty well defensively the last couple of weeks that led the Raiders to victories? They had been. No, it's a good point. They've been playing some much better ball. You know, players besides Max Crosby stepping up and making plays. And, and they just really, you know, the, the team is pretty good at, at a lot of these screens. They run them at one of the highest rates in the entire NFL. You're getting D.J. Moore involved. I think, you know, the emergence of Deontay Foreman with the injuries to their top two guys, he is a, a, a downfield attacker. He wants to bowl you over, which he did a couple times in that game. So, yeah, it just did not work for them. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there was some effort issues. There were some simply you know, going high, going low, trying to punch the ball out as opposed to just wrapping up and making the play. You know, and I saw some people talking about, Bear fans talking about, man, Tyson Bajan is the guy. Maybe he should be the quarterback instead of Justin Fields. And you kind of pushed back a little bit. We're like, hey, man, look, they it wasn't great. It was just they found a way to get a W, and he didn't mess things up. What did you see overall from Tyson Bajan in his first career start? Yeah, I mean, to his credit, look, like it does matter, and it is helpful when you get the ball out quickly and on schedule. You avoid a lot of the negative plays, avoid the sacks, avoid the turnovers. But like I just mentioned, I mean, he had one of the historic victory for how little he actually threw the ball downfield. He completed one pass, you know, 15-plus yards downfield beyond the line of scrimmage the entire afternoon. But like I said, look, I don't want to take away from the guy. His first NFL start, undrafted guy out of D2 Shepherd University and steps in and, and, and wins his first game. But, yeah, it's one of those things, too, where as defenses now watch that game film and see what he can and cannot do, even against a bad Chargers defense this weekend on Sunday Night Football, uh, I got a feeling it's not going to go quite as well. No, I'm with you 100%. Again, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Now, I want to talk to you about the trade deadline. And actually, one of the guys I was really interested in was Jalen Johnson, who had a hell of a day against the Raiders. And so I feel like maybe with that victory and his performance, he, he went from a guy who could have been on the trade block to now possibly getting a contract extension with the Bears. What are your thoughts on Jalen? 
I do think it may have swung, you know, to that degree. I know coming into this season, he's always been a very, very solid player. Uh, some people point to a lack of ball production, had one interception in his career, uh, obviously now has three. But <laughs> the big thing at corner is, you know, he doesn't have a lot of ball production because people aren't throwing at him. He's a really, really talented outside corner. You know, can play up in press, can play back in zone coverage. Um, you know, a, a great lateral movement. And, and just a guy that a lot of quarterbacks simply avoid – you know, I don't know if they were shopping him necessarily, but I'm sure they would have answered the phone. Now with a team that has a million dollars, uh, I shouldn't say that, a billion dollars, has a ton, a ton of cap space, has a lot of young talent. Why not pay another young talent in a contract year? Um, I don't think Jalen Johnson is going to be available. I don't think he gets a deal done you know, tomorrow, uh, but I think they're probably going to have some conversations and see if they can get something done before the offseason. If not, maybe a franchise tag candidate in Chicago. You know, I wanted to take you back to Monday Night Football. We saw the Vikings beat the 49ers, and I felt like the Vikings were a team that was on the brinks of being sellers. You know, I thought they were going to drop to 2-5. and five. Obviously, they didn't. They won that game. Did that win that they got over the, over the Niners and improve their record to 3-4, and four, did that change their trajectory as well as, you know what, maybe we don't have to put that for sale sign out, out front? I think them more than any other team, because obviously a lot of those teams won, you know, Denver and the Giants and, and them, but I think they had the biggest swing in the trajectory of what they were going to do of any of those teams, because now they're going to sit there and say, look, we're three and four. We have one score losses to the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Chargers, but we can get right back in the mix here in this NFC North. You see the Lions get killed by the Baltimore Ravens, and you look at the Vikings' next six games. They have the Bears, the Falcons, the Saints, um, a couple other very easy, the Raiders are on there. Uh, so a couple other easy games coming up for them. And of course you get Justin Jefferson off IR in two weeks from now. Yeah. I don't think anyone, definitely not the Neil Hunter, the big name. Uh, I don't think they're going to be sellers now. I think it changed everything for them in Minnesota. Yeah, no, I feel the same exact way. As soon as that clock said zero, 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 I said, well, <laughs> there goes there goes that. I think they're going to keep some of their players now uh, back in Minnesota. But you mentioned the Denver Broncos, and I saw a report earlier today from Albert Breer. I mean, everyone, Pat Sertan, Justin Simmons, Josie Jewell, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, all these different names, uh, Garrett Bowles, all available. It's not possible that all those guys are available, is it, Brad? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to move all of them, but I'm sure they're taking calls. I don't think Patrick Chetan's actually available. That's the one I would push back on. I mean, unless the team is going to offer two first-round picks and more, which I don't think is going to happen. But the rest of that list, I mean, yeah, I think they probably both the receivers are certainly available. With Justin Simmons, I would imagine the Philadelphia Eagles made a call to Denver before they ultimately traded for, for Kevin Byard from the Tennessee Titans. But, yeah, I mean – Sean Payton wants to start over, wants to get younger, and just, just get some of these players out of the locker room and bring his own guys in. I think one of the receivers will get traded, and I don't know about Garrett Bowles because he is a really, really good left tackle, still has another year on his contract in 2024, but obviously you know, he, he's been pretty grumpy in the media, uh, and, and maybe they're open to calls there. But long answer short, I think you will see one of Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton get moved in the next six days here. So with that being said, with all those names floating out there, like you said, they're not going to move everybody. I mean, you just can't do that. But with all those names out there, what is the message being sent to the locker room? about? I mean, look, we're only through seven weeks. There's still a lot of football left. What are those guys that are in the locker room thinking when they see all those names floated out there? Yeah, I don't think the, the relationship is super strong anyway. <laughs> you know, off to an <laughs> early start, obviously Jerry Judy kind of has drama of his own with Steve Smith Sr. and things like that. 
and really it, it, it's become a battle between Sean Payton and general manager George Payton, I think, to some degree, where it's become the classic, you know, my guys versus your guys. And, you know, he go ahead, goes ahead and trades Randy Gregory, who actually had a sack in that game, or, or a couple pressures in that game against Minnesota for the 49ers. I think they might even move one of their linebackers in Josie Jewell as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's not the, the most well-received, but these players know, A, it's a business, and B, they're probably going to have a new quarterback under center in 2024, not Russell Wilson. And, and, and they, I don't know, to a degree, they might want to leave, uh, potentially. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Just a week or so ago, you you put us up on game about Chase Young and Montez Sweat in Washington that, you know, look out for those guys. One or both could, I guess, be on the move. Uh, what are you hearing as we get closer and closer? Do you get a Do you have a kind of a gut feeling which one may be on the move? I do. I think it's now more likely you're going to see Montez Sweat of those two players potentially traded. I wouldn't, you know, place a bet on either guy getting moved. They're obviously both very productive so far this year. Chase Young for us is top five in pass rush win rate, top five in pressure rate. He's starting to look like that number two overall pick. Montez Sweat's a good player, but he's not a number one pass rusher. He's maybe the best run defending edge in the NFL, and he's a good pass rusher. Still has six or maybe seven sacks on the season. Not saying he's not good in that area, but when you're going to commit that top-end money to that position, you do want a guy that can win one-on-one matchups, can get pressure on the quarterback by himself, and I don't know if he falls in that bucket. So I think a bunch of teams are probably calling there. I think the Atlanta Falcons are interesting. There's some front office connections between those two teams. Some of the guys that drafted Montez Sweat now work for Atlanta. I think the 49ers, just because of how poor they looked in that Monday night matchup, Maybe they go out and make a splash. They're never afraid to do that, particularly on the defensive line um, and a handful of other teams. Uh, and I think, you know, I think Montez Sweat could be moved. But like I said, less confident in that one than maybe some others. you got a coaching staff in a front office in Washington that probably think they're coaching for their jobs. And it's not going to get easier, you know, by trading away a good player in Montez Sweat. What about the concerns with the health history of Chase Young? I think that is a factor, right? Because I think it comes back to, okay, like we're not going to give a first-round pick for a guy who, when healthy, is awesome, but basically missed two seasons with that knee injury, right? So right. that's definitely going to you know, scare you off a little bit, and maybe you wonder you know, how much can we really pay here because you're not only giving up the draft capital, you have to either franchise tag or extend him right away. Um, and, yeah, it's a legit concern. I will say I think one thing that really provided a lot of confidence for teams around the league is, in that Chicago Bears game, you have Chase Young going into a Thursday night matchup. So, finally playing, misses week one still this season because of that same knee. But, on short rest, going into a Thursday, had 11 pressures on Justin Fields in that <laughs> game. Had a 37% pass rush win rate. It's one of the best games any edge has had this year. I think that was a big moment because it wasn't just, hey, coming off a bye or going into Sunday, Sunday. It was three days rest and dominating um but but i do i hear you i think it's probably it's complicating the, the compensation that teams are willing to give up again we're talking with brad spielberger here on, on unnecessary, unnecessary roughness radio nation radio 920 of course brad does all his work on pro football focus all right how about the running backs derrick henry saquon barkley one both neither who do you think gets moved I think it'll be Derrick Henry. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley is going to stay with the New York Giants. I think they've basically said that now. Uh, I think Joe Shane, the general manager, even went out publicly and said, I told Saquon we're not moving him. You don't come off of that. It's obviously a horrible look if you do something like that. But 
With Derrick Henry in Tennessee, I actually do think he's going to get moved. Clearly, Tennessee is open you know, to selling off pieces. I mentioned Kevin Byard, the safety, maybe DeAndre Hopkins, maybe some other players. Uh, but with King Henry, they probably have to restructure his contract and, and eat some of that salary. But I think a team like Baltimore makes a ton of sense. Maybe a team like mm. Cleveland, they lost Nick Chubb. Now they lost Jerome Ford for a couple of weeks. I think those two teams are interesting, and I would bet more likely than not uh, that we do see Derrick Henry get moved. Man, I would love to see Derrick Henry in Baltimore. Oh, my goodness. Would that not be a hell of an offense right there? I mean, he's never had weapons outside of him. Uh, you know, I mean, A.J. Brown, but, I mean, dang, he hasn't had a, a quarterback dynamic like that outside of college. So that would be that would be fun. How about quarterbacks? Speaking of quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, he was a full participant in practice today, and you mentioned Justin Fields. He's banged up right now. Do you think one of those two guys ends up getting moved, not by the trade deadline, but uh, gets moved on from uh, in the offseason? season yeah in the offseason you know barring crazy turnarounds from the Carolina Panthers and Chicago Bears because they obviously own both of those first round picks if one of those picks is a top three pick I don't think Justin Fields is a Chicago Bear in 2024 Kyler the messaging has obviously been you know we're gonna stick by him we like him unfortunately you know there's the infamous graphic of Josh Rosen is our guy I don't know if you remember that from a couple yep. of years ago. Uh, and then, you know, a month later, they draft Kyler Murray. So I'll believe it when I see it in Arizona, but but I tend to believe them. I think Jonathan Gannon has come in, their new head coach, and, and been very clear, I want to build around you as a player. You know, they keep Marquise Brown. I don't think he gets moved to the deadline. And if he did, maybe it's a signal, hey, your college teammate, your really close friend, if they traded him, maybe it's okay. Maybe then Kyler is going to get moved. But I get the sense they're going to ride it out. They're going to stick it out with Kyler Murray for now, but we'll see. You never know. If you have the first overall pick, which they have the rights to, or they're, I guess they're second right now, but um, you know, and you fall in love with a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, maybe you do it. But I think Kyler's going to win their way out of that position when he does return You know, full practice today. I think maybe gets one more week off, but, but could be back the following week. And, Brad, we'll close things out with this. We'll bring it back home. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of conversation about Hunter Renfro and what uh, he's going to be doing, if he's going to be uh, available on the on the open market for the trade deadline. And, of course, it's just around the corners uh, next week on Halloween. What do you see as far as not necessarily a team who could pick up Hunter Renfro, but what do you think you can get in return for Hunter Renfro? It's tough because I can tell you for a fact, I mean, they've been calling other teams. You always have these conversations of, are they listening? Are they shopping? What do those words actually mean? I mean, they're shopping Hunter Renfro. They really, he clearly is not in the long-term plans of this team. Through the third quarter against Chicago, he had five offensive snaps. Obviously, did get some run in garbage time, but it's not going to be a ton. He has a $6 million salary, and I imagine the Raiders say, we're not going to retain any of that. Uh, you know, the remaining amount, about three and, a, three and a third million. So you're talking, you know, a, a absolute best-case scenario, a fifth-round pick, which I know sounds unappealing, but, you know, he's just not really playing. So you probably take whatever you can get, clear some money, and I do think they are going to be buyers on the edge rusher market um, as well. So, so maybe mm. you swap out a receiver, bring in a pass rusher, uh, and go from there. Well, now you got my ears perked up. Okay, I see. I see how you do, Brad. You wait till the end to get my ears perked up like that. I like that. That's really good stuff right there. <laughs> well, there you go. Brad Spielberger right there for Pro Football Focus. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for, my man? Every single angle of the trade deadline you could possibly imagine, of course, will be my coverage the next week. I just put out a video. I mentioned a, you know, a couple Raiders options. So, yeah, check it out on PFF.com, at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. Um, I will be covering the trade deadline wire to wire.
Nice. I got you, and I'll be I'll be paying attention. I'll be locked and loaded, man. Thanks so much. Great stuff as always. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fantastic stuff. You like that at the end? You like how he did that? He just go ahead and threw that little carrot out there. You know what I mean? Like, you know how they do at the horse races? They have the little lead buddy or whatever, and the horse is all chasing? That's what he did right there. He threw that dangling carrot out there, and we're all chasing right there. Good stuff, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. And talking about potentially maybe getting a fifth-round pick back in return for Hunter Renfro and the Raiders being buyers for an edge rusher at the trade deadline. Very, very interesting one Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. Of course, it's all conversation. It's all speculation until something is actually done. But interesting conversation nonetheless. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's keep this party rolling. Passionate Raider, you're up. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? Chilling. Hey, Q. I'm an Illinois baby, man. Born and raised Illinois my whole life, man. And I've been a Raider fan my whole life. And I hate the Bears. I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate everything about the fans. I hate everything about them, Q. And I had no, all week long, I had belief and faith that the Raiders would go out and beat the Bears. I, I did. I didn't have a worry. I didn't have a care. I, I, I just, I just, and, and, and I was at my last tournament on Sunday, and I had the game on my phone. And, Q, I, I, I was just dumbfounded at, at what I was watching on, 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 as I was trying to fish. I got a fifth place out of 22, but I, I, I almost was like, it was almost hysterical that this was really going on. And I had to smack myself a couple times and stick myself with the hook to really believe is this really happening to, to the Bears, Q. You know, you asked a question about what do we want to see going forward. Q, we have an awesome roster when you look at this roster, Q. It's not the players that's the problem, man. Trade the coach. Something's got to happen with this guy, too. You do not go out and let a Division II quarterback run on you like you did. And if I'm Mac, I'm taking that personal. I am taking it personal to another level, and I don't care. I want to see Mac get mad and hold these players that aren't competing accountable, Q, because I've been saying it from the beginning of the year. We've had problems. There's been chaos. We know this. But for the Raider players to go out and do what they did, to us fans who love and spend money on them, and we can't. And we can't keep going through this queue. Something has to change. It doesn't matter what quarterback it is. And we, the world won't even know his name. And he will play the Raiders, and he will become a star. It's happened more than ten times. So I don't know what it is, Q. You ask what needs to happen to move forward. The players are there. Obviously, they're not checked in. we got to find a way to get these guys checked in or you know what Q y'all laughed at me two years ago and I said this was a complete real blow it up because this is embarrassing man I'm out all right, there he goes passionate Raider very passionate about the call right there and how dare they mess with a man while he's fishing Right? How dare they mess with a man when he's fishing? That's supposed to be a relaxing time. That's why that's why everyone says that relaxing if you want to go relax, have a good time and chill, let your hair down a little bit, you go fishing. That's why I don't fish. Because I'm not that guy. I'm wire to wire. I'm high energy. I'm not that guy. Like, I don't want to be that dude. My dad loved fishing. You know the one thing that me and my dad never did well together? Fish. You know why? Because I'm not that guy. He's good at it. I'm not. So, man, that's, 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 that's bad. I actually, it's funny that you said that, though. And I'm talking about the, the Raiders messing with you while you're fishing. That's what I used to do on Sundays 
I'd go to church with my dad. We'd go out to his boat, and we'd go out on the water, and I'd literally listen to the radio, listen to the Raider game while he is actually fishing. I'm not paying attention to anything he's got. He could have caught Jaws for all I knew, right? He could have caught Moby Dick. He could have caught, I don't know, you name it, I'll claim it, whatever, and I wouldn't have had any idea because I'm listening to the game. And then I'd go to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> right? I would not do anything else out there but do that. And then when we were on the shore and he was fishing, I would just skip rocks. I'd be that guy. You're trying to fish somewhere, and I'm throwing rocks right at you. That's what I would do. I always had to do something. I was that disturbing kid, right? I could not ever focus in on just calm, chill, relax, throw the pole in the water, bloop. All right, reel it back in, throw it back in the water, bloop, reel it back in. Throw it back in the water. Reel it back in. Like, where do we get some action? I want some action, man. I ain't going to spend four or five hours out here and not catch nothing but a cold. I'm good. I am good. Man. And then you have to go to the bathroom, and then you know when it gets real. (laughs) I don't even want to go there with that conversation. This is too family friendly. There may be children listening. I don't even want to go there, so I won't. But I will go to uh, Temecula, talk to our guy, Paul. Paul, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? Thanks for taking my call, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, really quick, some changes I would want to see first on offense is uh, change up the, the right guard, man. Take out Van Roten, put in somebody else, either Meredith or Illuminor. I just feel like he engages, but he doesn't push, man, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, on defense, our, our biggest weakness right now is, is stopping the run. And that's the Lions' biggest strength is running the ball. Again, this goes back to coaching. Like, let's let's do a bare front, man. Put a nose tackle over the center, two defensive tackles over the inside or outside shades of the guard, and and let's let's play to stop the run. And we could stop the run. We got a chance in this game. The only reason we're gonna win this game, Q, is because we have no business winning this game. It just happens. We win the games that we shouldn't win, and we lose the games that we should lose or win. Um, on a side note. Uh, I would like to um, – I'm just going to keep a, an eye on uh, Ben Johnson, the OC for the Lions. Yeah. Who's a potential uh, head coach candidate. Yeah. I just kind of want to see what he does on, with this team, you know, how creative he is and all that stuff. So that's all I got, Q. Thanks. Enjoy your weekend, and God bless, man. Hey, great call, Paul. Great call. I'm glad you brought up Ben Johnson, man. He's His name is hotter than fish grease, right? We were just talking about fishing. Well, you know what happens when you catch a fish and you reel it in and you take it back to the campsite – you cook that thing, right? Well, he is, he is, he is, he's hot right now, man. He's on fire. He really is. He's going to be a head coach sooner rather than later based off what he's been able to do with that Lions offense. That's a really, really good call, Paul. Uh, thanks so much for that. I do appreciate you. A couple texts that I want to get to. Again, we have Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network coming up at 3.30. Uh, got this text from the 925. You'd have to give Montez Sweat a new contract. Yeah, there's no doubt. Montez Sweat or Chase Young, you'd have to give them a new contract. That's, there's no doubt about that. And I mentioned this the other day, that you give it to them as soon as you trade for them. You don't mess around. You don't wait around. You don't do that and wait till the offseason. No, just get it done as soon as you make the trade. That's the best way to do it. Jalen Johnson in Chicago is probably the best of the same, same way. Uh, also another text from the 925. Bring back Max face mask. And, uh, yeah, uh, Max Crosby had the face mask with the sobriety triangle on it, and the NFL made him take it off because, well, it's a no-fun league, and, you know, it's, it's, it's against their uniform policy, and, you know, their uniform policy is stricter than half of their uh, off-the-field policies. You know, there's a time when 
Uh, the Raiders wore different color socks and they got fined for it. It's like, come on, are you serious? But yeah, uh, they're not. He's not allowed to wear that. And now, of course, they're they're blaming his face mask for Justin Herbert and the injury that he had to his fingers. So of course, there's that. But uh, yeah, that that uh, that became a story. Max Crosby and his face mask. Uh, also, we got a text. First drive, Devontae Adams slant, slant, slant. Drive to to Jacoby, slant, slant, slant. Yeah, that's what it was. It really was. Uh, also, Keith and Sonora said, "What I want to see in Detroit is just win. I can care if it's seventeen. I can care less if it's seventeen, fourteen, or thirty-five, twenty-eight. Just win. That's Keith and Sonora. Uh, I understand that. Uh, you know, and most likely, if the Raiders win this one, it's going to be closer to seventeen, fourteen than thirty-five, twenty-eight. I just haven't seen any kind of offense that looks like that from the Silver and Black. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, that's just what it is. Uh, got another text. Difference between a boss and a leader." Okay, I'm not too sure what that one is, but that'll work. <laughs> that was just uh, one of the, that was one of the uh, some of the feedback that we received. So uh, we definitely appreciate that. So uh, yeah, anyway, keep those texts coming. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. What would you like to see from the Raiders on Monday Night Football? What are you looking forward to this team moving forward? We got Cynthia Freeland coming up next from NFL Network. Before we do that, though, I do want to look for caller number nine. Want to get you hooked up. Want to send you to a comedy show. And as soon as I find the information on it, here it is right here. I got the comedian Theo Vaughn. He's going to be at Resorts World for two nights. That's October 27th and 28th. We got tickets to the October 28th show. You want to go to Resorts World, check out Theo Vaughn, caller number nine is what we're looking for at 702-365-9200. Again, caller number nine at 702-365-9200. Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Subs. Make sure you check out Subs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread. Loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Number one will have to be the Philadelphia Eagles. No one has stopped the tush push yet. Javante Smith could be A.J. Brown's number one receiver. Jason Kelsey, Hall of Famer. Lane Johnson will be a Hall of Famer. They're very special. Their DB core, Darius Slay, crazy talent. James Bradbury, they just got Kevin Byard. It's very special to see what they've done. And they still have Reddick. They still have Sweat. I don't believe they have any weaknesses on their team. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Can't stop, won't stop. That's what Michael Parsons is talking about. He can't stop, won't stop with the Dallas Cowboys. And he's talking about the best team in the league. And he said the Philadelphia Eagles, based off the brotherly shove, is what we'll call that here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Want to shout out my man Mark. He was the winner of the tickets to go see the comedy show, Theo Vaughn, on the 28th at uh, the Resorts World. So uh, congratulations there. But join us now on the phone lines from the NFL Network is our good friend Cynthia Freeland. You can check her out Sunday mornings as on uh, NFL Game Day, starting at 6 a.m. Pacific time. And Cynthia, thanks so much for your time. We always appreciate you. And you're the analytics expert. And I'm not huge on the analytics, but I respect the analytics. I get it. I know that it's part of the game, and you've got to be able to break it down. You've got to use analytics to your size, to you know, to your advantage. But where does the fine line, as far as you're concerned, about you know the analytical side of things and just the plain old eye test? Well, the reality is, is that the analytics. You know, we always talk about it. It's easier to talk about in, in terms of paid and overpaid and underpaid. But what's the line for paid? And just like the same thing, 
for in-game analytics and you're talking about making decisions and should you pick it or should you or should you run it or should you pass it or should you you know not kick it right like so the truth is is that it just gives you an average and you have to know number one are you a team with the personnel in the matchup to be on the plus side of it or are you on maybe the negative side of it and you need to kick it because for your specific team, that would be better. So the truth is, is the analytics just provide the framework, and it's an interpretation of the framework that is really how you use the analytics, right? So it's not, you know, it's it's not a – I think it's funny on broadcast that people say, the analytics say to go for it. And you're like, no, the analytics say that in this situation, an average team with against an average opponent would have better chances if they go for it than if they don't, whatever. I love it. I love that answer because we hear so many times that, no, Brandon Staley wasn't wrong, or no, this coach wasn't wrong because the numbers say you're supposed to do that and you're going to get it, but you just broke it down. You've got to base that off of your team as well and what you have working for you and what's not working for you. Exactly. Like if you have like, you know, if you've got a field, if you've got Justin Tucker and you're in the situation says, all right, we could take a 55-yarder or maybe you have to go for – get a little bit closer when you got Justin Tucker it's not the same as everyone else's right. right so it's 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 just a it's it's a matter of understanding what those numbers actually mean are you overpaid or are you underpaid where are you is this helping to differentiate between where that line is I love it. I do. That's a great answer right there from NFL Network. Cynthia Freeland with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So seven weeks is officially in the book. Week eight will get started tomorrow with Thursday Night Football. What have we learned? What have you learned about the league so far through seven weeks? You know, I think, number one, we're finally starting to see that the young play callers, so there's a ton of play callers that are inexperienced. I guess they're not necessarily young people, but they're young in terms of their play calling. And that's actually giving defenses kind of an edge this year compared to years past. We had such fast starts for the past three seasons, like setting records for number of touchdowns scored, field goals, and just points overall. And now you're starting to see those numbers regress back to the mean. So you're, you're kind of seeing the defenses catch up. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, based on the way colleges have been playing at the quarterback position, you see a change in the way the NFL is playing at the quarterback position too, right? Like teams that can successfully execute two safety shells against younger quarterbacks, they tend to have more success. And quarterbacks who can have leverage play action, like when play action was working for Jordan Love, looks a lot different than when it wasn't. Right. So play action seems to be something that helps bridge the gap from, and I know Jordan Love is not a rookie, but he's still kind of, in terms of snaps, a very young player in terms of seeing defenses and understanding how to read them. So when I'm looking at all of those things, play action seems to be a key, and defenses are now starting to kind of have a little bit of an edge over young play callers. As you start to see the league continue to evolve, do you think that there will be more head coaches that are, are still their play callers? Like there's a handful of coaches, including Joshua Daniels here in Vegas, that are still the play callers even though they're head coach. Or do you think they'll start to transition that and pass that on to the offensive coordinators? You know, I'd like to say that they'll give it up and pass it on and kind of take the model of like Bill Belichick where it's like, you know, you allow your people to do their thing. But I don't know. I feel like these people become like when things start to go south, south, sometimes like you've seen it with many other coaches, um, then they start to take back control, (laughs) Right. which may or may not be a good thing. You know, for some people it seems good and for others it seems not so good. But 
I, I think I think you have to know who you are and you have to know your people and and kind of go based on that. So I'm I'm not sure what the right solution is. I guess it's whatever based on who your you know your personnel happens to be. If you've got the right personnel, it's better to probably not have to do it because. Like I've seen it now. Like if you look now that Josh Mc, uh, that Sean McDermott, excuse me, has taken over the play calling duties on the defense. You mm-hmm. see Josh Allen having to make different decisions, Ken Dorsey different decisions, and perhaps some of those should we go for it or not? Maybe he's not as in dialed into like is my right tackle getting smoked? Like what's going on? As he may have otherwise. I don't know. I mean, I'm not living in their in their. Uh, sideline, but I, I do kind of see I'm like interesting. I'll be interested to see at the end of the season how the data bears that out. Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as you're concerned in the NFC, we heard Michael Parsons coming in talking about the Eagles are the best team. The Niners have lost two in a row. Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol. Who do you feel right now is the best team in the NFC? <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's never who we think right now, right? Like ahead of the season, um, I picked the Seahawks to be the representative <laughs> from the NFC, and I'm I'm still I'm still kind of thinking maybe that could happen, right? So it, it, it's hard to deny the Eagles, especially with Kevin Byer coming over there. Like, right. like, how do you make that trade? Like, are you trying to make the Eagles good? What are you doing? <laughs> and also, if you have a fish on the line, like, why don't you call someone else and say, uh, "You guys want him? Like, what's going on? Like." I don't, it was just very interesting that that happened, especially after they gave him A.J. Brown the year prior. I, I know it's not the same GM, but still, like, that's wild. So, you know, as I'm looking through some of these things, it's hard to argue with the Eagles. But at the same time, I just don't think that there's a lot of depth in the NFC. Like, the, there, you know, the AFC, there feels like there could be so many teams that are true contenders for the Super Bowl. AFC, it's kind of like three or maybe four and, like, that's it. Like, I don't think anyone's believing that whoever comes out of the NFC South is a true Super Bowl contender, at least on at this point. So, right. you know, it's like, well, maybe there's, like, three teams, maybe four. How concerned are you with the 49ers now they've dropped two in a row? And, as I mentioned, Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol. Well, number one, I recommend not watching that Purdy video if you are if you like your stomach to stay intact. But, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, that's that's bad. Like, that's it's a bad situation to find themselves in now i will say you know christian mccaffrey is a straw that serves a drink in that offense so with him there and potentially you know if, if once debo samuel comes back i think it'll be okay but i i mean against the Bengals who are coming off of a week of rest like that's not a great situation when you're running to try to you know not fall three drop three games after such a strong start um but eventually long term i think they'll be okay they have the right personnel it's just just like everything else, you need Trent Williams to be back in the game. Like you saw that, like you saw that happen last game, and that's a huge deal. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, you know, let's see if they can get healthy. Just like every team, though, if you've got that many injuries on any team, you'd have a really significant difference than the one you started with. And I'll be the first to admit, and I told anyone who will listen, that I was late to the Lions party. I was the guy that said, hey, you got to show me more, show me more, and then I'll show up. <laughs> well, I've gone to the house, Cynthia. I've got dressed. I put my good clothes on. I shaved. I cleaned up. I'm at the party now, and I'm looking good. So I understand what the Lions are doing, but now they're coming off a big loss to the Ravens, who is a really good team, and now the Raiders have to go to Detroit. What are you seeing from the Lions in general and what Coach Campbell's been able to do with them? Well, I am a Michigan native, so I will have to admit that right here. And last week actually felt more normal to me. Right. (laughs) I mean, in my lifetime, like, that's the kind of game I'm used to. But 
but look, what they were typically doing, like let's take that game aside and talk about the games prior to it, because mm-hmm. they did get to 5-1, and one, which is a significant accomplishment. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying, what, if, what is different? Well, the O-line has typically played really well. Jared Goff's been under some of the least amount of pressure in the entire league. With David Montgomery there, it really changes because not only is he really, really good in the run game, but he's also a really good pass protector. And people don't rate that high enough in terms of running back play for how important that is. So Jared Goff really got the benefit of the David Montgomery chip, which was helpful. Um, And obviously him being out created some differences. Jameer Gibbs is just a rookie, so even if he ends up being good at that, it's still going to look different. And then the defense. My goodness gracious, Aiden yeah. Hutchinson hasn't had a sack in two games, and that's weird. He needs to address it now the respect he's getting, meaning double teams, meaning you know shifts and motions that are really trying to get people away from him and you know all these different run plays designed to stay the heck away from him, which is very respectful, but also he needs to now do his, you know, it's like chess match, right? You move this, I move this. Next step, he needs to now react. And I'm looking at their secondary and, you know, Emmanuel Mosley is a big loss, but they have some pieces there that played better than what we saw this past week. That one was just like, they came out, the the Ravens had an amazing game script. Those scripted plays were just beautiful. Scored four touchdowns, and then the game was over. You you can't have Jared Goff throwing that often and expect to win. They were one of the more balanced teams in the league coming into that game, like almost a 50-50 split between run and pass. Well, I'll tell you, I'm sure that they're going to be angry on Monday Night Football, and the Raiders got to go into the belly of the beast and try to try to get that win. I'm sure that that's going to be uh, that's going to be a hell of a game come Monday Night uh, Football. I want to flip over to the AFC real quick. The Chiefs are on a six game winning streak after dropping the first game of the season to those Detroit Lions. Uh, the Miami Dolphins they've been fun to watch just with their their offensive attack. It's been explosive, and of course, what the Baltimore Ravens were able to do. Who are you looking at in the AFC? Like, is is one of those teams separated themselves from the others? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is never to be counted out, just like Joe Burrow is never to be counted out. I have no doubt that we're going to see some form of, like, a Bengals run, a, you know, the Ravens, I think maybe now that they're getting a little bit healthier, a Ravens run. I mean, the Chiefs are already right up at the top there. The Bills need to sort some things out on defense, but they still got Josh Allen too, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to count them out yet. And same thing, the Dolphins just – the, the amount of separation they're able to gain just for, for what I'm going to say is no reason is incredible. So when I'm watching these, I, to me, it's like, it's kind of anyone's race at this point. So it's going to come down to seeding in the playoffs, truly, because you've seen Patrick Mahomes, by the way. So from 2018 until the beginning of last season, he led the league in 20 plus air yard passes. So those deep ones, not deep, like catch and run, but like actual deep passes with through the air. He has 44 of them, or 42 of them, rather. He's only had two in the past two years without Tyree Kill there, and they're still managing to get it done. So right. now it just happens to be intermediate passes to Rishi Rice that are, you know, other than the Travis Kelsey trick, that are working really well for the Chiefs. But I, it's, it's going to be hard to argue with the Chiefs with their defense playing as well as it is. Yeah, no, they are. Uh, i got to give that defense a lot of credit. Steve Spagnuolo's done a hell of a job getting them where they are. Well, we'll close out with this. Uh, again, I mean, week eight is getting underway. Uh, this uh, Well, tomorrow, Thursday night football. It's already here. Jeez. Uh, week eight. What are you <laughs> looking for? Like, what is it that, you know, what, what is the team that you really got your eye on that you want to focus in on to see that, if they take that next step? Well, it's an, it's an interesting week. I want to see what happens with the Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. Coming off that bye, coming off that win out here in Los Angeles, and then figuring some, seemingly figuring some things out, or is it that the Chargers' defense 
is that like I don't I don't know what I'm looking at with the Cowboys yet. Right. And and that's one that's a matchup I'm interested in. They're playing the Rams obviously in Dallas. And I'm also curious to see how both Miami and Kansas City, two top contenders in the AFC who are meeting in Germany next week, week nine, they're gonna I'm curious what this week is like for both of them because, you know, Kansas City's got the Broncos, so we'll have to see. It's with division opponents you you never can count them out. And we'll have to see what happens with the Patriots and the Dolphins. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they prep because that game next week, I cannot wait to watch. Yeah, that's going to be must-see TV. There's no doubt about that. So we'll all be locked in, paying attention to that. Well, Cynthia Freeland, you can check her out every Sunday on NFL Network's NFL Game Day morning, starting at 6 a.m. Pacific time. You're always working on something. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Ooh, well, obviously with the trade deadline coming, I have a massive article with all the shifts. And that's how I already know, because I guess we've seen the first Tennessee trade up there to Howie Roseman and the Eagles, but I've never seen a higher safety at wins added to any like team. So like war in baseball kind of helps you figure out the value of a particular player. And Kevin Bayard to the Eagles raises it almost a quarter of a game, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you think about it, there's not even a full season of games left. Typically, safeties for a full season, like even the best safety, they add like .6 wins to entire team schedule. But this is an area where they specifically need help. They've not just been kind of less than average in the safety position, but also injured in it. So that could be what puts the Eagles over the top. Well, we'll definitely be paying attention to that. I've been very heavy on the trade deadline and seeing all the moving and shaking going on around the NFL. Well, before I let you go, you mentioned baseball and war. Do you have a baseball team? Do you have somebody selected for the fall classic? The Rangers and the Diamondbacks are squaring up. You know, I don't have like a like a, a horse in this race, but I kind of want Arizona to win just because it feels like they called up my friend, my very good friend Sarah Walsh on the NFL Network with with me. Her husband played in the minor leagues for a while, and he got his first big league start as a Diamondback. So they kind of have a little bit of a special place in my heart because of that. There you go. That works for me. I'm okay with that. Everyone's got a reason. <laughs> so that'll work. <laughs> that'll work. Well, Cynthia, it's always great catching up with you. You know that. Thanks for your time. We appreciate you, and we'll be checking you out on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All the time. Cynthia Freeland right there. NFL Network does a fantastic job. She's always great to catch up with. Super Bowl, draft, combine, wherever the case may be, she's all over the place and does a hell of a job with NFL Network. And we definitely appreciate her giving us a few minutes of her time this afternoon. And I'm telling you, everyone's got a reason when it comes to, uh, comes to baseball. You've got some kind of tie. I, uh, I'm rocking with the Texas Rangers in the World Series because Bruce Bochy is the manager of the Rangers. And my mom's a huge Giants fan, and he won World Series with the Giants. He's a hell of a manager. And plus, I spent a lot of time in Texas, so I know that those Ranger fans are dying to see a, a World Series since they were so close. They were that close back in 2011. It's like, look, it all goes back to fishing. Remember that fishing commercial? Ooh, you were almost there. You got to be a little quicker, right? It all goes back to fishing. This whole show is based on fishing. That's what we're doing around here. We are fishing. We're fishing for dollars. It's 346. It's Rare Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. With your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. What if I just had to sign up the rest of the show, gone fishing? <laughs> I'm out for the rest of the day, gone fishing. <laughs> I don't approve. <laughs> My dad would be so proud. My dad would be like, there he is. It only took him to 46 years old to become a fisherman, but he finally did it. Damn near 47. Finally took him 
that long before he became a fisherman. Now he's officially an old man. Nah, not that guy yet. Not that guy yet. Let's go out to the phone lines, though. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, what's happening, Q? What's up, Ari? And shout-out to my guy, Passionate Raider. Passionate Raider, I thought about you that whole game because when I found out Hoyer was starting, I started not to even watch the game because I knew how it was going to end up. I'm like, they really going to start Hoyer? But I was like, man, I said, they got to be Chicago for my guy, Passionate Raider. You know what I'm saying? So I feel you, Passionate Raider. But also I want to talk about the analysts and especially JT. Y'all like it's only one way to run the ball. And when the Raiders run the ball one to two times, oh, they're the running not working. No, the way that they running is not working because there's certain ways you run the ball and you're supposed to run the ball with intention. And you're supposed to also run the ball to set up other moves. It seems like, I mean, set up other plays and other nuances. But it seems like all they're doing is trying to see, oh, let's see if it's going to run. They're going to run the ball once or twice and they're, oh, it's just not working. It's the way you make it work. If you, if you do power blocking, you got to use the right um, blockers to do the power blocking scheme. And if you all, and if the, um, if you run up the one hole and it's not working, sometimes go out to the outside holes. Or also you could run a sweep, especially if you know your line got problems. Run a, I have yet to see the Raiders run a sweep, run a sweep with the running backs all year. And also, look at how San Francisco uses, um, McCaffrey. That's the way you should use Josh um, Jacobs. Even if the run isn't working, they find a way to get McCaffrey the ball. Did you see that touchdown that he got um, on Monday night where they threw the ball? He came out the backfield. He ran off to the side like a very 11. They threw him the ball to one side of the field, and he ran it into the end zone. Those are the type of plays I was expecting to see from this so-called offensive genius that we hired from um, New England. That's our head coach now. And also, um, Marcus Peters, I mean, oh, yeah, and if you keep running the ball, you know, they might start off stopping a run because I was a running back. Like, you know, when you get the, when you get the ball the first quarter, people come up, they hit you a little hard. But our second quarter, they're not hit quarter. They don't want to tackle you no more. They start doing the Marcus Peters tackles. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to keep doing. If it don't run, if the run is not working the first couple of times, you keep going. It's like you got to keep hitting that same, hitting that same piece of the wall, then the wall going to break. You know what I'm saying? But they don't do that. And also, as far as Marcus Peters, we need to cut him. Please cut Marcus Peters. And, and we need to um, hold on to that number 24 jersey. Don't let nobody else wear it until they earn the 24, because the last couple of 24s have been duds. You know what I'm saying? And also, we need to stop. Um, giving out 24 because the players that they – like, look at um, Abrams. He didn't deserve 24. Look at Peters. He don't deserve 24. And also, we need to look at – I think I've been saying the coaching and the planning and, and running with intention and the game plans, all this go back to the head coach. You know what I'm saying? And if, if, if Josh McDaniel is not this brilliant offensive coordinator like we thought, and he's not a, a motivator. He's not a leader of men. He's not like a, a guy that's going to get you pumped up and ready to run through a wall for him. What does he actually bring to the table? And I tried to give him a, the benefit of the doubt because they hired Josh McDaniels on my birthday. So I'm thinking maybe this is going to be the guy to bring us off four Super Bowl ring. And they hired him on my birthday. My birthday is the day after the Raiders' birthday. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking maybe this is, you know, going to bring us off four, but no. If he's not an offensive genius that he's supposed to be, then what does he really bring to the table? He's not a motivator of men. He's it seems like he alienates players. And I think this whole Chandler Jones thing, I'm I'm just speculating, but I think it has to do with him. 
All right, thank you for the call. Appreciate you running out of time. And, I, yeah, I don't even want to deep dive into the Chandler Jones thing. That's still going on. But, uh, you know, Coach McDaniels has to prove what, what he brings to the table, right? I can't answer that for him. Uh, obviously, three and four is not where you want to be, but he's got to prove it, and only he can prove what he brings to the table as the head coach of the Silver and Black. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com, will join the show next. Kickoff hour number three. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.